0: means to be pregnant when you start going through the uh, conception and the season where you're uh, carrying the child and then then you go through the season of laboring and then giving birth and really felt like the Lord was saying that there's going to be some birth there's going to be some birthing happening God's going to be birthing some fresh vision fresh ideas people are going to be birthed into a, uh, uh, an understanding and a greater sense and reality of the abundant life and the power and the anointing that's resting on their life. I don't even know God just did not create us here just to, just to go through life and just wait for heaven? God's intent was for you to be a channel to bring heaven on earth and to empower and to bring life around you. You carry, you really carry an atmosphere. You carry the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus said very, very, uh, uh, he told his disciples in John 14, he said even this, that the works that I do, you're going to do greater. And so it's, it's not just a matter of the works that we carry, but it's also the atmosphere and the spirit and the frame of mind that we are imparting to other people. And uh, it's, I, just, I just want us to realize that we're really in a season of change here, and it's a good change. It's a a very powerful thing. And, you know, uh, one thing about the renewing of the mind as we've been on, the renewing of the mind is always an upgrade. God always upgrades your your way of thinking and your way of living. Once your thinking changes, then your life changes. When your life starts changing, you begin to move into the arena of a prosperity. You start prospering in many areas. Your relationships, you even prosper in problems. How many of you know that God wants you to prosper in problems? And uh, you all know what it means to be more than a conqueror? You know, to, to be more, it didn't say you're just a conqueror, but you're more than a conqueror. In other words, you capitalize even before the battle with starts. It, it, it literally means that no matter what is thrown at you, you can't but help but overcome. It, it doesn't matter what the devil throws at you, you're always going to come up, you know, uh, uh, on top. And God's word is very clear about that. But uh, it's amazing. God here has awarded, he has rewarded, and he has uh, brought and provided so much for the church. But at the same time, even though Jesus has given so much through the resurrection uh, of his own body, uh, the church has yet to catch up with what Jesus has really fully accomplished for us. And so that's, that's what the church is all about right now. The church is about equipping. The church is about imparting. The church is about discipling God's people for the work of the ministry. And so uh, if, if what we experience here and grow to know here does not translate in, in transformation in the way we uh, live life out there, then we're failing to do our job in here. Or I should say I am failing to do my job. Because our job is to help launch your life. Amen. God wants you to be launched. Amen. He wants you to be launched in the understanding of your sense of vision and sense of purpose. And He wants you to begin to glean and grow from every experience that you're walking through. There's no such thing as a wasted experience. There's no such thing as wasted time in the mind and the economy of God. Everything that we walk through Whether things that we bring on ourselves or things that we're walking through that are out of our control. God controls the seasons and he understands these seasons and times. And what he expects us to do is to grow through these seasons. And all these things are preparing us for great things. God is preparing us for promotion. He's always doing that. He's always preparing his people to promote us. Uh, You know, one thing Jesus didn't promise is a happy life. How many of you know you've not always had happiness in your life? Happiness is not the goal. I hear that a lot on television sometimes. that People say, I just want to be happy. Well, if that's your pursuit, you're going to be actually miserable. Because the pursuit of happiness uh, really comes down to being very selfish. And if you really want to be happy, or really, I should say, blessed and experience the joy of the Lord... It's amazing. Jesus said that the key to finding life is when you lose it, when you lose your life and when the kernel of wheat falls to the ground and die. And so one of the things we're, we're seeing happening is when the word of God is becoming a rhema or a quickened word in our life, and that word turns into vision, that word turns into promise and power. And it turns into, and it begins to uh, manifest itself in the relationships around us. And what what that is it, it ushers the kingdom of God, it ushers the life of God in us around us, and we become a, a witness and a testimony to the world to the glory of god and that's that's what's happening here let 's open up with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you first of all for the for the word we thank you for the power of the and the presence of the Holy Spirit tonight. Lord, we just thank you for the testimonies that 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 are working in and through your people as you are just transforming us, Lord, from glory to glory, the release of liberty and freedom upon us, Lord. We just are so grateful, Lord, for all that you're doing and saying in us. And we just ask you, Lord, right now as we come into this season, uh, as we look into the Word, that the Word will become flesh. Lord, that we might behold your glory, Lord, and all that's said and done in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus here has just uh, finished a conversation with the Pharisees in Mark chapter 8, and and it says that He left them in verse 13. And getting into the boat, now He had just fed the 5,000 and the 4,000 in another season. Keep in mind, we're in a desert place, and Jesus had done several miracles here. And getting into the boat again, he departed to the other side, and the disciples had forgotten to take bread. And they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. The leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, Is it because we have no bread? But Jesus, being aware of it, said, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? What Jesus is saying here is very important. He says, do you not have eyes to see, eyes to see, ears to hear, and do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said to him, 12. When I broke the seven For the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? Now Jesus here is challenging their thinking. He's challenging their limited lack, their mind frame. One thing that that it's possible to do, how many of you know it's possible to receive a miracle or experience something miraculous and not learn anything from it? And that's what he's really addressing here. In other words, one thing we need to realize, I love what Bill Johnson said, that miracles are intended to be a source for us to glean from and to grow from and to grow what God is trying to help us say and learn and understand, to prepare us for the next phase in our life there's nothing that we go through today and no miracle that happens in our life that he is seeking to teach us train us and actually renew our minds he's seeking to bring about a transformation in our minds so that we can begin to move into the next level of the miraculous and that's, that's what Jesus is dealing with here. But in the first place, Jesus had just had a discussion with the Pharisees. And it's interesting here, the Pharisees continued to bring the same question. If you jump back into verse 11 here, it says, The Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him. I want you to notice this. That religious spirits love to argue. Religious spirits love to argue with theology. You know, how many here have ever had a, had a situation where people like to argue over, over the Bible with you? Ever, anybody ever that? I, I will not entertain that because, in fact, Paul says we're not to entertain such things because it leads to more ungodliness. It never, it never wins. It never serves any healthy purpose. But here it says that they sought from him a sign from heaven testing him. And he says, Why does this generation seek a sign? Surely I say unto you, the sign shall be given, uh, no sign shall be given to this generation. And then again, he he's leaving with his disciples, and then he, he speaks to his disciples and he says, This beware of the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, leaven is interesting. Jesus had just fed the 5,000 earlier, then he fed the 4,000 later. And what he was doing, keep in mind what he was doing. He was in a desert, in a wilderness place where there was no bread, there was no supply, there was was no provision, and they were in a very remote place where they they needed to take some action, and the disciples' uh, answer to the problem was send everyone home, Uh, because they were out in this great desert place. How many of you know that sometimes Jesus leads us into desert places intentionally? He he, he may lead us into a place where it's dry, the provision is lacking, uh, answers to problems are not necessarily available, and so the tendency is, is to worry and to fret, or begin to act on impulse. Anybody ever been there? I've been there. You act on impulse and you begin to make some stupid decisions or you make decisions right away and uh, you you never pray about it. You don't think about what's going on and maybe some of us might even rebuke the devil. You know, uh, we we rebuke the devil, uh, we we rebuke everything and uh, or we cry and we wonder, God, where are you? Interesting thing, in these two uh, situations where Jesus fed the 5,000 and the 4,000, I think it's so important, Jesus was with them at both times. And it's interesting, in both times, Jesus would turn to his disciples and he would ask them a question. Now, this is important here. God will always ask you at times where you're in a place of lack, where you're confronting things. Th- this is all about stretching, enlarging our capacity. God's always in a place where the Lord's always seeking to enlarge our understanding, to to stretch us. Remember the text where the Bible says you never can put new wine into old wineskins. And uh, so Jesus is seeking to enlarge their thinking. And so he says to Philip, he says, Philip, what are we going to do And Philip looks around, and what does he do? He looks at what he doesn't have. He looks at his own supply. And how many have ever been there? I've been there. Well, what are you going to do? Well, I don't know. I don't have any food. I don't have anything to do. But the, the interesting thing is they're looking at what they don't have, and they seem to miss the fact that Jesus is right there. In the midst. And uh, that's what he's trying to raise their sense of an awareness that I'm here. And if I'm here, things are going to happen. Now, what Jesus was looking for, he was looking for some form of affirmation and some kind of confirmation. He's, He's looking for someone to come into agreement. Everyone say agreement. See, the renewing of the mind means that I'm coming into an agreement with heaven rather than coming into agreement with what's on earth, and that's lacking. And so, so, so he's looking for something. And so anytime God asks you a question, what he's trying to do is to find out if you are aware enough that he's there. I'm here, and I want you to act on that. I don't want you to simply look at the lack and the place and the environment that you're at. I want you to know that I'm here. And so he begins to challenge their thinking. Now, we find that Jesus broke the bread, gave it to the disciples. They, in turn, begin to distribute the bread. And the miracle really was that as the bread was given and the fish was given into their hands, that's when the bread and fish begin to multiply. That's why he was challenging them. He says, is your heart still hardened? But Jesus begins to address the very thing that begins to hinder our anointing, to hinder the power of God that he wants to release in our life. He says, beware of the leaven. Now leaven, we all know what leaven is. Leaven is the yeast that causes the dough or wheat to rise, to swell. Leaven in Scripture, if you study leaven, leaven is always connected with sin. It's always connected with corruption. Uh, It's connected all the time. And Jesus said, beware of the leaven. Leaven is influential. Leaven is contagious. Uh, Do you know that unbelief and fear is contagious? If you hang around unbelieving people, if you hang around negative people, if you hang around a theology that is short, so, so much less than, than helping you grow and expand and to increase, then you're going to find yourself becoming very fearful and narrow-minded and cynical and critical. But when you, when you are uh, uh, filling your life with individuals and with people and with, with a theology that's about abound, abounding and increasing and, and victory in your life, guess what? you're going to begin to see things happen. You're going to be aware of those things happening. And so Jesus is talking about the leaven. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. What is the leaven of the Pharisees, first of all? It's a religious leaven. It's it's people who have a knowledge of God, a form of of religion. It's a form of of, of righteousness, but it denies the power. It's, It's people who who focus on the, uh, the logos of so just the knowledge, growing in the knowledge of God, growing in understanding, growing in doctrine, natural or religious understanding, but denying or resisting the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, today, I, I was in, a, in a, a counseling session today with an individual who uh, does not attend our church here. And this individual, uh, just a wonderful, wonderful individual, This person uh, does not attend our church, but just coming to Carol and I this morning and was saying that, uh, you know, I'm so hungry for the Lord and I'm hungry for what God is doing, but I feel the Lord has planted, planted us, planted me in this particular church where I'm going because I've known the pastor for many years and he was a young man, uh, I knew him as a young man, and he's grown up, and now he's the pastor of the church. But the one main problem, he doesn't embrace the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he sees a lot of the works, of, of, uh, uh, the, the works and the acts of the apostles as something that was more or less historical and not for today. And uh, I, I said, how do you feel about that? Well, she says, I'm concerned about it. I'm bothered. I feel like the Lord has placed me here to intercede and to pray for this church. And I said, that's awesome. If the Lord's placed you there and you're there to pray and intercede and stand by them. But you need to make a decision and you need to set a time. Because I said, here's the thing if you don't move with the cloud, if, if you don't move as God is moving, you will die. And I, I said, I'm not trying to get you to come to our church in no way, shape, or form that. But I said that, that one thing about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is always moving. The Bible refers to the Spirit of God like a river. And how many of you know that the church needs to be a river? The Bible says there is a river that makes glad the city of God in the book of Psalms. Uh, how many of you know a church uh, can become a lake? A lake has no inlet and it has no outlet. And when we become a lake, it can become a pool and it, it, then it can become really nasty, can it? But a river has an inlet it has fresh water coming in and it's sending water out. And that's what the church needs to have. It's theology needs to be that way. We need to constantly have life coming. And here's the thing, we need to be moving. The presence of God, the will of God is for us to be on the move. We're moving, we're moving, we're growing in our theology. We're growing in the spirit, we're growing in life. And uh, she, she was mentioning to me this morning she said that uh, uh, they don't believe in praying for the sick. They don't believe in laying on hands. They don't believe... Uh, uh, she even mentioned this but that I thought was interesting. She said, even even when people come and we have times to eat, the leaders will be the first in the line and take all the food, and the the visitors and others will hardly have anything to eat, but the leaders got fed first. My wife and I said... Uh, did you know that Jesus said we are to wash the disciples' feet? Leaders are to serve the people. It's not the people serving the leaders. The leaders should be the last in line and make sure everyone gets fed. She said, "Yeah, that sounds right." And and I said, "I, I said you see," and I wasn't I wasn't in any way trying to knock the church down in any way, shape, or form, but there are times where people get stuck because their friends are there or because, oh, I've been here for so long or I knew that young man growing up and I was so proud of him when he was young. But but I said, here's the point. If the Holy Spirit is not moving there, why are you there? Why do you want to stay there? Now, there is also another aspect here that let's say that you might be a catalyst for change. Maybe God has brought you there, and God is using you. And and uh, and this pastor, this leader, they have an old wineskin, and that old wineskin is unteachable, or it's filled with lots of tradition, or their their particular wineskin is connected to certain kinds of of uh, uh, convictions or traditions or maybe, maybe, and this is one of the biggest traps for any pastor is when a pastor begins to lead out of fear of the people, and uh, he he leads for the approval of people rather than the approval of god and that that 's a dangerous thing, and I said, the Lord could have you there for a castle of change, but you need to be able to go. do you know the Bible says that we 're to honor Elders were to honor an elder, do not rebuke an elder, but to entreat him as a father. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't question an elder. That doesn't mean that you can't come to an elder and ask a question, or even come to that leader or pastor or elder and say, Pastor, I have a real problem with your direction or the theology of this church. Can you help me understand why you're doing what you're doing? Those are important questions, and everyone in a local church that it's a healthy church, should have that freedom to do that. If you've ever come out of a background where you could not talk to your leaders, that's not healthy. If you feel like you're afraid, well, if I go if I go to Pastor Ray, he, he might get mad at me. Well, that's not healthy. That's not healthy on your part. You need to, uh, by the way, if I did get mad at you, thank God we have some safeguards you can go to john or go to david and say you know i don't know what's what's up with pastor ray but man he just let me have it with the bible and i just don't understand and see here's the thing you're not here to make me look good we're here to make jesus look good but we're here for you to become healthy and if you're not growing and if you're not getting healthy and if you're not fed and if you're not uh, uh, expanding and, and, and evolving into your place and purpose and vision, then you're dying. God never intended for his people to die. But see, the leaven of the Pharisee, Jesus said this about the Pharisees. He said, you withhold the key of knowledge. You constrict, you restrain the key of knowledge to the people so that no one can come in and that no one can go out. And Jesus rebuked the Pharisees strongly because their religion was so tied into them. It was all about them. And it was not about the Lord. And by the way, when, when, when any ministry is about the Lord, guess what? The people are going to be released. The people are going to grow the people are going to experience a freedom and liberty and there's going to be expansion. And guess what else there is when you have a big family? Messes! Everyone say messes! And see, a lot of church religious leaders love to confine the mess. They don't like the mess, but a healthy church is a messy church. Now that doesn't mean there's not order. That doesn't mean that we don't have direction and, and guidelines or boundaries. But Pharisees Want to control. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a literal issue in their, their mindset. I've got to control things. But Jesus said, beware of that mindset. And the, the root of it is fear. By the way, you, you don't have to be a church leader to be a Pharisee. Do you know that? You can have a, a, a Pharisee's mindset right where you're at. You know, remember what some of the Pharisees did in Jesus' day? Pharisees love to expose people's sin and shame them. The Pharisees caught Jesus, or caught the woman in the act of adultery, and they wanted to use that as a way to test Jesus, but to also shame her. Let me tell you something. The degree of freedom or bondage that you have is what you're going to impart to other people. If you're full of bondage, then you're going to preach bondage. If you're full of freedom, you're going to bring freedom, and you're going to impart that freedom to others. And uh, the Pharisees, that's why Jesus, when Jesus was referring to the leaven of the Pharisees, he was talking about a mindset, a religious mindset that was limited, that was restricted, that was all about control. And, and here's the thing, I, I'm not saying, and I, I don't believe the Lord is in, in saying that we're, we're to be out of control in, in any way, such a way, frame or way. But what Jesus is saying is that the Pharisees sought to actually try to even manipulate God, to control God, and uh, and that's that's a dangerous situation. So the uh, the leaven of the Pharisees here is a religious system that embraces in theory, but not in a practice or experience. Such people are drawn to a theology, information, or doctrine. Uh, they the leaven of the Pharisee exalts knowledge. They have a knowledge in form, but without power. They prefer God. They can explain, contain, and control. Even though they assign much of the happenings of the world to God's sovereignty, this is really the religious mind's way of rejecting the responsibility of a supernatural lifestyle. They also assume and explain everything away. Uh, When facing problems, they, uh, they, uh, they like to try to work it out in, in just in objective ways rather than to look to God in faith. Uh, both 11s uh, are influenced by the fear of man, motivated by what people think, and they always offer safe explanations but no supernatural solutions. Solutions actually offend problems and circumstances where they insert fresh possibilities that problems can change. These challenges the mind, this challenges the mind, but at the same time introduces hope that makes a way for faith. That's, that's what the leaven of the Pharisee is. The leaven of Herod, by the way, represents an atheistic influence. Uh, it's based on the strength of man, a man based system. Herod's leaven excluded God completely. The mantra of those under this influence is God helps those who help themselves. Sounds really spiritual, but it's not. While this leaven is utterly secular and humanistic, it nevertheless uh, has infiltrated the church, creating a form of a practical atheism. This influence prevents us from believing in an active, speaking, moving God. This is fleshed out when such believers face situations daily without bringing God into the equation. He exists, but He is detached, disinterested, and unable to really do anything about our circumstances or situation. This leaven creates a culture of unbelieving believers who live exactly like their atheistic neighbors whenever they face a problem. Let me also say this about the leaven of Herod. You find that Herod was actually interested in the works of Jesus and was showed interest, but really he was interested in trapping him. Jesus was interested. Uh, also, the, the leaven of Herod is a, leaven, is a spirit of mockery. Uh, they usually they do not embrace the authenticity of the authentic uh, uh, relationship, but it's, it's nevertheless... It is an influence. And when Jesus used the term leaven, the leaven of Herod or the leaven of the Pharisees, he's saying something very strongly here. And what he's referring to is it's an influence that is highly contagious. And it will cause a corruption in your faith. And uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I've, I'm 60 years old and I have known believers in my life there are believers that through some form or some reason, they, they can turn their back on God. They've gone through something. They've gone through a series of issues or a series of problems. And uh, things did not turn out the way they hoped. And they, for a season, now I'm not saying there's no hope for them. But the devil will come and the, Lord, the devil will begin to introduce lies, a lie to them and they become easily offended, and then they become isolated. A dangerous thing. This is why we in the church really uh, encourage relationships and accountability. Uh, I I never want to draw conclusions on my own. Uh, Just to let you guys know this, even as a Christian, as a pastor myself, I never just come to the Bible and wait on the Lord and pray and write things down and present it to you as a theology to be accepted. I would never do that. That's a dangerous thing to do. We need accountability. When the Lord reveals things to me, I'll take them to my wife. I'll take them to John. I'll take it to David. I'll take it to Pastor Iverson because I want the confirmation. You see, one thing about the leaven of Pharisees, Pharisees are completely independent. It's it's all about pride. And they they act independently. They don't want any kind of accountability. They they desire no adjustment. I am so grateful for men that I've had around my life. I want men in my life. I want them to speak into my life. Because Ray does not know it all. Don't shout me down now. Praise God. But uh, Ray does not know it all. Ray does not have it all. We know, in part, we preach, we prophesy, in part, amen? Th- this is important. You mean, so oh, Pastor Ray, what, why are you talking about this? Why is this so important? It's all part of your renewing of your mind. Part of the renewing of your mind, how many here have ever gotten in a train of thinking on anything specifically, and you made up your mind without getting counsel? I was, I was recently talking to another believer, recently. This, by the way, this happens a lot, what I'm going to tell you. I had an individual uh, several months ago, uh, they're not in this church, but they came to me, they had made a decision, and a long time ago they came and told me that they were going to make a decision about direction that they're doing. Well, I just recently talked to them, recently, and uh, there's some, uh, some difficult challenges that are in their life right now. And I brought up the fact, I said, when you made this major decision in your life, did you get any counsel? No, we didn't. We prayed and we felt it was God. I said, well, that's good. But the Bible says in the multitude of counsel, there's safety. And I brought up some things that had they heard it in the beginning could have averted a whole mess of issues and but in this generation this generation there's a lot of people that say i don't need the wisdom and the counsel of leaders and parents and authority i can do it on my own how many of you know god gives us counsel parents and authority to help us it's not to hurt you uh And part of the renewing of my mind, uh, the renewing of my mind is to get me healthy. And how many of you want a healthy mind? You want a healthy heart, healthy life? Well, if I'm going to get healthy and really get a healthy mindset, first of all, I've got to come and recognize how fragile and frail I am And how weak I am by myself. Now, that's why the Bible says God sets the solitary in what? Families. Uh, Renewing your mind is like learning to walk. And when you begin to learn to walk, whether you learn to think, learn to talk, when you learn to relate, we all fall down. When you're learning to walk. And what happens when a baby is learning to walk in a family? What happens when that baby is falling down? Uh, you have parents there that pick that little baby up, and the parents are the best cheerleaders, right? We're cheering that little baby out. We're not scolding that baby. How dare you fall down? You've got two legs. You ought to be walking and running by now. Now, we, we would never do that to a child or a baby. But we rejoice in the fact that they're even crawling i mean and and who knows they might even be pooping their diaper when they're going along with it. yes he's gone he might be pooping it's okay it smells it's still great man it's awesome that's my kid i mean you're, you're not saying how dare you mess up the car but look what you did to that diaper now i got to get another diaper i mean you know but but that's what's happened in the church We're afraid of messes. We're afraid of problems. But my point is, getting healthy means learning to recognize, okay, God has placed me in a family. I need authority. I need leaders around me. I need I need I need the counsel of wise women, wise men to speak into my life. I I run into people all the time. They say, you know, Pastor, I don't trust nobody. I trust nobody. I said, okay, it sounds like you've kind of had a rough steer in life here. That's right. And every time I turn around, leaders are just all out for themselves and they're just self centered and they're money hungry, power grabbing, selfish pigs. I mean, I've had people just literally, I said, wow, I don't know what kind of leaders you've been around. They're not all that bad. And see, what that has done is that it has propagated an orphan spirit. That's an orphan spirit. An orphan spirit is, I don't need anyone speaking into my life. And when Jesus here is dealing with the, the, uh, the disciples about beware of the leaven of Herod and the leaven of Pharisee, both of them, you'll find, have a problem with authority. They have a problem in relationships. Now, that's, that is a broken person. It's not a bad person, but they're broken. Now, they might have had pastors, leaders, parents, fathers, mothers, abused them, hurt them, all that. They come out of a past where they have offenses in their life, and, and they've done the best they can. They do the best they can. You know what, I, don't, I didn't need anybody to get where I'm at. I'm here because I worked hard and- Study. I got here because of my good hard work and hard strength and my hard and I got here. Well, that's pretty awesome that you got here, but at the same time, you got here with a lot of walls around yourself. And you're, 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 you've learned to cover your pain. You've learned to build walls around yourself and you're not healthy. Now, here's the danger about a person like that behind a pulpit like this, is that what you have inside of you, and what you are, even though you try to cover it, you're going to minister it. You'll minister your pain through your message. You'll minister your insecurity through your message. You'll minister it even in your relationships. And you'll find that what spirit you have, you're imparting that same insecurity and fear in other people. And, And I've had people... Come out of other churches, out of places, and it doesn't have to be churches. It can be even in different families. They're not healthy. They're not whole. They're not, their minds have not been renewed. And here's, here's, here's where healing, it, it, when, when you're dealing with the leaven of the Pharisee, healing, healing starts by first acknowledging, okay, I see the issue. I see the problem. I have to acknowledge that. By the way, acknowledging something doesn't make you bad and it doesn't make you weak. But it's important to say, you know what? I need help. I'm, when, when a person says, I need help, that's a good place to be. And no one should ever shame someone for saying, I need help. Never should ever be shamed for saying, you know what? I need help. My life has been a mess and a wreck. How many of you know God loves to take a wreck and a mess and turn it into an amazing testimony? See, healthy people help others to come out of the mess and turn their testimony into a beautiful, uh, 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 beautiful picture, a beautiful uh, uh, trophy of God's grace and mercy. And that's what we do. We, 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 don't, we don't shame them but we empower them to use what they've come through to, uh, to come into the very destiny that God has. I love this one, this one minister said something on uh, television a couple of weeks ago. I heard him, he said this. He says, your misery is your ministry. Your, mini- your misery will become your ministry. I thought that was really good. Some things that we've gone uh, had some real misery in will become the very ministry. It becomes the platform because why is that? It's because you're going to become very sensitive and you're going to become very aware of the issues that people are... You're going to be so intuitive. You're going to become prophetic. You're, you're going to have uh, words of wisdom. And uh, so there's, there's, there's no such thing as a wasted life. Even if you've come out of uh, a tremendously hurtful situations... The Lord is able to take that, turn that around for you. In this passage in Mark chapter 8, notice what Jesus addresses. He says, why do you reason because you have no bread? In other words, stop looking at what you don't have. Stop looking. He says, why do you reason? Leaven is always reasoning. It's always trying to be rational. I know, by the way, we do need some rational thinking. I believe in rational thinking. But he's dealing here with people that are lacking. He's dealing with the fact that they got into the boat. And keep in mind, when they got into the boat, the Bible says they forgot to bring bread. See, Jesus wants you to know that when you forget, you're still not in a a mess. You're not in a problem. They forgot to bring bread, and they started worrying about it. And Jesus says, stop worrying about something you forgot. But he says, what I want you to remember is that I'm in the boat with you. I'm in the boat here. I want you to remember. And also, when Jesus brought up the 5,000 and the 4,000, the feeding of the five, the feeding of the four, what he was trying to get them to do was to remember, remember where we were, where were we? In the wilderness. There was no supply. What was the problem? There was no bread. Now, Part of the renewing of the mind, I want you to jump with me to Luke chapter 4 for a minute. Luke Luke chapter 4. Because I I just, I love this text here in Luke chapter 4. Remember when Jesus started his ministry in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Notice what it says. Jesus... Being filled with the Holy Spirit was led where? Into the wilderness. Now, how many of you know that that same thing's going to happen to us? Jesus being filled, led. How many of you have ever got baptized in the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden you were led into a wilderness? And notice what it says to be tempted by the devil. Now, it was in the wilderness here again. Where Jesus is confronted by Satan. The Bible says he ate nothing for 40 days and 40 nights. It says he hungered. Everyone say hungry. Hunger is a very important, not just a concept, but it's a very important place for you to be. Why? When we think of hunger, we think, well, that's not a good place. Hunger is not. No. Hunger is a place. That God shapes you. He shapes... How how many here have ever fasted and you found yourself hungering for things you never used to like? Have you ever ever been on a fast and you found yourself... I, I remember I used to hate certain vegetables. When I fast, all of a sudden my mind says, that looks pretty good. That looks pretty good now. See, hunger... When you're hungry... In that place of hunger. Remember uh, Deuteronomy 8. God says he brought the children of Israel out of of Egypt into the wilderness and suffered them to hunger. Is God being mean? No. What he's doing, he's trying to renew their mind. He brought them into a place where there was lack. They were lacking. Now what we usually do is we panic. We start, I'm hungry. My body's growing weak. Well, I could sure use a Big Mac right now. And a Coca Cola and Chick fil A. Boy, that sounds pretty good, honey. Let's go there tonight, shall we? Chick fil A, wings. You know, it's amazing how your mind just starts racing. But what happened here when Jesus was in that place in the wilderness, it was there where the Word, everyone say the Word, the Word is given a chance. This is what is so important. Jesus was tempted to use his power to feed himself. That was the temptation. Then Satan, of course, in the beginning, challenged Jesus in his sense of identity and said, If you are the Son of God, turn. In other words, if you are the Son, it was was kind of a, Satan was trying to do like a double trick on him. He wanted to uh, uh, challenge him in a sense of identity, but then use your identity to feed yourself. Now notice what this is all about. This is a personal, private battle. Do you know what gave Jesus the power and the authority to feed the 5,000 in public? It's because he denied himself in private. When you win private battles... You have public success. And that's what happened. Why was that? It says here in verse, I love what it says in verse 14, that says that Jesus returned after the temptations. It says Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Now, here's this this is important on the renewing of the mind. Jesus allowed the word, he gave the word when he said, It is written. He gave the word. He allowed the word the chance to become the living bread rather than using his hunger to feed himself. You see, that's when the word moves from a logos to a rhema, a quickened word. When I begin to stand on the word of God, then what happens is God begins to work the miraculous. It says that Jesus came out In the power of the Spirit, let let me tell you something. Jesus was authorized. There was an anointing. There was an authority. What gives me authority? Now, yes, we have. We've been baptized in the name of Jesus. There is authority. There is the power. There is the witness. But I, 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 I like what Smith Wigglesworth said: that in the renewing of our mind, we need to win the war in the mind. We need to learn to win. We need to let the Word of God have its place in our mind. And that's what he said. That's what Jesus did. He, he said, when he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, the news of him went throughout all the surrounding regions, and he taught them in the synagogues, being glorified by all. Now, uh, the, the, the question is, what preserved Jesus in the wilderness? I believe it was the Word that came to him, uh, when John the Baptist baptized over him that this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. It was that word that went with Jesus through the wilderness that kept him, that he was the beloved Son. And when we know who we are and, what the, and how the Father sees us, it preserves us through that season of testing. And it, and, and it carried him right into that place he was approved by the father the bible says he came out in the power of the spirit you know what one thing that's so vital is that we where we begin to recognize god-given opportunities to let jesus be uh be glorified in our life amen remember uh several years ago <clears throat> i had a, a gentleman in our church a a great man of god a good man He he was a principal of a school and just a wonderful man. And he called me up one day and he he said, a a teacher, one of my teachers, her husband is is dying of cancer. And uh, Pastor Ray, uh, the woman was asking, they they don't attend church, but she was asking if you would do the funeral for her husband. And I asked the principal, I said, wait a minute. Has the man died yet? No, he's not dead, but the doctor said he's going to die. And I said, that's strange to be planning a funeral and the guy's not even dead. And so I told this, this gentleman, I said, partner, this is your time to move in. And he said, pastor, what, what do you mean move in? Pray for him. Pray that God will raise him up. Well, well pastor, i the doctor said he's only got hours to live. Ah, huh? yeah. Do we believe in healing? I mean, he was he was kind of shocked. Uh, the the principal uh, and well, I've never thought about. It. He said, and then he said this. To he said, "Would you mind coming out and pray?" I said, "I'll be glad to." I got in my car, went out to where they where he was, and met his wife. We went into the hospital, and I anointed that guy. Yeah, he, he looked out of it. But we prayed, and we prayed for several hours, anointing him with oil. Interesting thing, he lived much longer than a couple hours. Actually, he lived several days much longer. We kept praying and kept praying. Here's my point. Folks we've got to learn to recognize opportunities. Part of the renewing of our mind in overcoming the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod is learning to recognize God-given opportunities to bring the kingdom and usher the kingdom of God on, on earth and in our situation. Amen? So, so important that we do that. Can, can we just bow our heads in prayer tonight? I know our time's gone here. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We just we just thank you, Lord, that you're just opening our hearts and opening us to a, a greater resu- revelation, a res- uh, understanding of what you're saying, what you're doing. Lord, we ask you right now that you would just continue to breathe upon us, blow upon us. Lord, we know that the word of faith is even in our mouth, in our hearts right now. We just ask you, Lord, that you would just continue to speak to our hearts. Let us become more and more aware of your hand in our lives. Lord, so much of the time we've just lived life and just worked problems out in our own strength and just went along, not even realizing that these were divine, supernatural setups and opportunities. There's no storm, there's no problem that we go through that you do not equip us to handle. Lord, you said that we were to raise the dead, heal the sick. We were to speak life. And Father, we just pray right now that you would just continue to breathe on this house. Thank you for your presence. We, Lord, we never want to take advantage of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. Through us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to just once say one quick thing. Saturday, This Saturday morning, uh, we will be having a vision class for those interested Uh, in the uh, coffee room out here. We're serving a kind of a breakfast, so you'll all be welcome to have breakfast too. Uh, We'll see you at about 8.30, I believe it is. All right, God bless you. Have a great night.